Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Lisa Hendrickson-Jack. She is a a certified fertility awareness educator and holistic reproductive health practitioner. Today, we're discussing her new book, The Fifth Vital Sign. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. I'm excited to be here. So so what um, inspired you to put this book together? Well, I mean, several different things. For me, my journey with fertility awareness started almost 20 years ago. So I discovered fertility awareness when I was at the tender age of about 18, right out of high school, you know, right into university. And what happened in my case was that I had been put on the pill for period pain and heavy periods and things like that. And when I needed birth control, because I hadn't been using the pill for birth control, I didn't actually feel comfortable using it. I I wasn't taking it at the same time every day. I had read the complete insert, so I knew that that could be problematic. And I didn't want to feel nervous all the time that I could be pregnant. (laughs) Um, And so at that point, I kind of thought to myself, okay, I'll just use condoms. That sounds safer to me um, because then at least I'll know (laughs) right away if my period doesn't come. Uh, But then it was around that time that I discovered fertility awareness. And so initially for me, it was just incredible to learn that I wasn't fertile every single day of my cycle to understand how my cycle works. And that means that, you know, late teens, early 20s, I was actually using fertility awareness successfully to prevent pregnancy. And what happened later on is that, I mean, early on in my journey, I started teaching other women to chart. And since then, I've received my certification, so I'm a certified fertility awareness instructor. And uh, around the time when I was nearing 30 and my husband and I decided we wanted to start having babies, uh, it was around that time that I started to realize how many women were struggling with fertility challenges. And even though I had been able to take that information for granted for basically more than a decade, the average woman still has no idea how her menstrual cycle works, how her body works, that she's not fertile every single day, that it's possible to prevent pregnancy to the, you know, equal effectiveness of hormonal birth control just by monitoring your body signs. And so that really is the reason why I wrote the book, to share this information with women. And uh, within the book, I, I include over a thousand scientific references. So it's not just meant to be like lisasopinion.com. <laughs> it's really intended to be a resource for women so that they can feel very comfortable and confident, not only in the method, but also in the science. They know, like, this is a legit option if hormones aren't for you. So um, I actually discovered the fertility awareness method when I was uh, 25 or so. And um, I was in school at the time, and I had just taken biochemistry, anatomy, physiology. And when I read um, Tony Weschler's book, which is what you you talk about a lot, um, I 
I, I actually learned a lot about how my body worked because although we learned, you know, all this science and, and our teacher had actually been a practicing gynecologist at one point, I learned so much by just charting my cycle and understanding what was going to happen to me as opposed to just, you know, the science of here's some anatomy and here's, you know, what happens scientifically. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point because... Um, you know, some of the feedback that I often get about my work, whether it's book or podcast or whatever, someone's discovering the fertility awareness method, and often the specifics around how cervical mucus works, the changes in cervical position, the changes in body temperature, and how, although each woman is, you know, we have the same anatomy, the, the subtle differences that can happen from woman to woman, uh, the question really arises, like, why is this not taught in medical school? So um, often, I, I remember when I first started my podcast, it never occurred to me, it was, you know, in a million years, it never occurred to me that doctors would listen to my podcast and naturopaths and other health professionals. And what it really comes down to is that this specific information about the women, a woman's body and how it works, unfortunately, you know, it's just not taught to the same degree, to the same level of detail as it is uh, for me as a certified fertility awareness educator. So the education I received about the menstrual cycle uh, so that I could support women to do this as a a method of birth control and also to optimize their chances of conceiving is beyond the level of detail that's actually taught in medical programs. And it's it's, it's mind-boggling to think about. I, you know, definitely is. And, and I've spent, you know, the years, uh, 15 or so years educating women on what was going on in their body because they were um, in the same situation as me, just not having that understanding what's normal, what's not. And, you know, a lot of things aren't normal that we are told are like, you know, your, your experience with heavy periods and, and painful periods we're told is normal. And then we cover it up with a pill. And then, it's actually not. So when you come time to wanting to have a baby and you've been on the pill for, uh, let's say, since you were 15 and you're 30, like you were, and, um, you know, you're going to have problems because that issue is still going to be there and you haven't dealt with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the easiest way to address <laughs> that huge comment, because um, we can take that in a, a bunch of different ways, <laughs> is to think about the myth. Uh, a lot of what I do is busting myths about the menstrual cycle. So, for example, if a woman has an issue with her cycle, like I did, heavy, painful periods or irregular cycles where she's not really sure when her next period is going to come, especially for young women, it can be particularly um, alarming. As a teenage girl in high school, you don't necessarily want to have your period surprise you. It can just, you know, teenagers are so cruel. <laughs> um, and so for a lot of women when they go to their, you know, doctors, it's like, well, the pill is going to make your period lighter. It's going to regulate your cycle so that your cycles will always be 28 days. And so those are white lies, essentially, about what the pill does in the body. Um, so I think it's helpful to understand that a true menstrual cycle requires ovulation in order to occur. Uh, basically, in a true menstrual cycle, you ovulate, and then your period comes about 12 to 14 days later. And your period is essentially then uh, a result of the hormonal interplay between estrogen as you approach ovulation and progesterone uh, post-ovulatory because those two hormones are what work together to build and mature the uterine lining. And so when a woman is put on the pill, for example, 
ovulation, um, one of the main ways that the pill functions is by stopping ovulation, uh, so by suppressing ovulation. So when a woman's on the pill, she's not having an actual menstrual cycle. The pill basically suppresses her natural cycle and replaces it with a fake chemical uh, cycle. And I would say fake <laughs> chemical because the hormones in the pill are not the same as the estrogen and progesterone that we produce. In order for a company to patent and sell drugs, they have to create a molecule that is not the same, that is different, so that they can actually patent it. So if you look at the molecular structure of these hormones, they're not the same as the ones we produce. So they have similar effects, but because they're not the same as and the hormones that we produce, and also they're not found in nature, they're made in a lab, they do have you know, different unintended effects. Uh, which is why there's so many different side effects associated with the pill. And so when a woman's put on the pill, she doesn't, you know, there's ovulation is not, ovulation is essentially suppressed by the pill. And then what happens is if she takes, you know, 20-day pill and she gets 21 days of hormone and then seven days of uh, sugar pills or however it works if she's using a patch and she pulls it off for a couple of days or whatever the case and she gets a bleed, the bleed that she's getting is actually a withdrawal bleed. And uh, withdrawal meaning that you take away the artificial hormones and your body reacts with a bleed. Um, and so I think the first part of just helping women to understand why the pill doesn't solve any of your period issues is to realize that when you're on the pill, you don't actually have a period. You're having a withdrawal bleed. Um, and, uh, and what that also means is that, so, you know, the title of my book is called The Fifth Cycle Sign because that's the central message that I'm sharing. I'm sharing that the menstrual cycle doesn't only matter when you want to have babies. It's actually a reflection of your overall health. And so if you're having really heavy painful periods or if you're having really irregular cycles or if there's other issues that you're noticing with the cycle, when you take the pill, the pill doesn't resolve it and just magically make your period perfect. (laughs) What it's doing is just getting rid of your natural cycle. So what you said earlier about, you know, when you get a bit older and you're ready to start a family and you're going off the pill, if you did have an underlying issue that was causing your cycle to be problematic or erratic or whatever the case is, the pill didn't treat that. It didn't cure it. And so when you go off of the pill, your body's going to resume as it was and potentially you know, a bit worse because whatever was going on there, you weren't addressing it during that time. So it essentially masks the problems. You can't really see the full fallout of it. Um, and that puts a lot of women at risk for challenges when they come off the pill because they didn't really know what was really going on with their cycles. Well, um, you know, one, one thing I, I tell you women when they're in this situation is, is I understand if, if they're having a lot of difficulty wanting to, to kind of cover it up for a little bit, but I do warn them that it may become an issue later. And, and since a lot of women are having children later in life, it can take longer because, you know, they might have an issue that they need to deal with. It might take two years to get through some, some fertility issues or to normalize their cycle. And then if they're, if they're older that you know there's a lot more distress that can happen at that time so I encourage them not not to um, to go down that road for too long if it's something that they feel they need to do so that it I don't know if this is an approach that you have as well but to to try to figure out what's going on in the body so that those issues aren't there as opposed to covering up for 15 years until you're ready to have children Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's certainly something that I think is really important. And um, in addition to that, I think it's also really important for women to 
to, to discover and learn how the pill impacts fertility. Uh, because I've, you know, over the years I've spoken to a lot of women. As women, we have some degree of intuition. So I've spoken to a lot of women who have been on the pill for a really long time, so whether that's like 5, 10, 15 years, and often they'll have that, like once they're in that space where they know that they're wanting to start, ha- start their family, you know, within the next little while. And so I've spoken to a lot of women who will go to their doctors and say, hey, you know, I've been on this pill for a long time, and, you know, I'm thinking, like, should I come off of it, you know, earlier before I'm ready to start trying just to see if everything's okay. And often, I've heard the story so many times, um, often women are told, well, no, there's no point. Um, you know, if you're still not trying to get pregnant, don't come off the pill uh, until you're ready, basically. And uh, what the research tells us, though, is something different. Uh, so when a woman's on hormonal birth control long-term, um, there is a temporary delay in the return of her normal fertility. And there's different ways that this is measured in the research. So one of the ways is by looking at how long it takes a woman's cycle to return to normal. Uh, so a normal cycle falls somewhere between 24 and 35 days with, that, with an average of about 29 days. Um, you know, in a healthy cycle, ovulation happens somewhere between day 10 and day 23. And after ovulation, the luteal phase, um, especially for fertility and, and overall health, the healthy luteal phase is between 12 and 14 days. So luteal phase is just a word for how long between when you ovulate and when your period comes. And so when a woman comes off the pill, there's a lot of, um, well, let's just say that it's, it's, it's really common and very typical of her cycle to not be just perfect immediately. Uh, there is a transition period that her body will naturally go through. So there's this one study that I looked at where they compared the menstrual cycles of women who had never been on birth control to women who had just come off birth control. And on average, it took 9 to 12 cycles for uh, the cycles to return normally. And they were looking at the parameters that I mentioned. They were looking at the total length. They were looking at, you know, ovulation. I believe they were looking at cervical mucus production, and they were also looking at the luteal phase length. And so, essentially, in the study, they had the menstrual cycles of the women who came off the pill, you know, beside the menstrual cycles of the women who had never been on the pill, and it wasn't until about that 9 to 12 cycle mark before it all looked approximately the same. So, it's really common for a woman to come off of the pill and uh, her, you know, ovulation be delayed. So for some women, the ovulation returns right away. For other women, it takes several months before she ovulates and has her first period, her action, her first real period um, after ovulation. And um, also they were looking at the, the luteal phase length, and it's really common the first several cycles off the pill, say for the luteal phase, to be like eight days or nine days. And when you're trying to have a baby, um, you need to have that second half of the cycle to be long enough. What happens if it's too short is that even if you, you know, even if you conceive and, you know, the egg is fertilized, if you start your period too early, then you're bleeding when the egg is trying to implant. So it's actually a a big problem. And this is one of the reasons why the pill is associated with a temporary delay in the return of normal fertility. And so I, I mentioned nine to 12 cycles. That's not the same as nine to 12 months because some women don't get their first period post-pill for four months. So 9 to 12 cycles could be anywhere from 18 months to two years. And so it's right in line with what you said, with your two years. Um, so that's one way to look at the, the way that the pill impacts fertility. Uh, other studies are done specifically where they look at um, they look at how long it takes women to conceive. So these would be the time to pregnancy studies. 
And so it differs with different types of birth control. So, for example, a woman coming off the regular pill, that's a a combination of synthetic estrogens and synthetic progestins, on average, it takes about twice as long to get pregnant compared to a woman who was, say, using condoms or another non-hormonal method. So, you know, for an average couple that's not using any type of hormones, it takes an average of four months to conceive. So every cycle, you have about a 25% chance of conception, depending on age and a few different other factors. Um, But for a woman coming off of birth control, it takes an average of eight months. Um, And that's what, in the research, the way they talk about it is kind of like, well, you know, it's temporary and fertility goes back to normal, so it's no big deal. But I think you and I both know that um, as women, especially, like, we're being really responsible when we're on birth control, right? Like, we're trying to um, organize it so that we don't have an unplanned pregnancy. And then when the stars finally align and we find, you know, the person that we're supposed to be with, we organize our finances and our, you know, jobs and all of those things to align with when we're ready to have a baby, um, even a delay of eight months to a year, by the time, uh, so the first cycle you're fine, you're like, okay, this is whatever, but by the second cycle you're already a bit nervous. By the eighth cycle or the ninth cycle or the tenth cycle, you're already at the fertility clinic. Um, so what's really important from my perspective is educating women about this delay because then what that means is it's not a good idea to come off the pill on Thursday and think that, you know, you're just going to start trying. We know that some women get pregnant right away, but we can't rely on that. That's not, like, good enough. If we know about this delay, then what we can do is give ourselves time. And I recommend coming off the pill 18 months to two years um, ahead of time because you just don't know how your body is going to respond. This is like buying yourself insurance. Well, that that's perfect, and I think great information um, that's, you know, not common knowledge the way it should be. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, and we're discussing her book, The Fifth Vital Sign, and we'll be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel are you finding your frequency it can be described as that space between failure and success it's the future of digital media it's finding your voice it's engaging topics content and ideas jeff and ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects it's about making the mistakes taking the chances summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone 
and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. How much health and wellness information have you been exposed to today? Listen to Prescription for Success with Dr. Emil Haldi. Healing and empowerment start from within, but it also takes the best knowledge and advice. That's what you'll find here. Dr. Haldi and his guests will help you make the right life-enhancing decisions for well-being success. Tune in live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Prescription for Success. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, my co-host, Oliver, sits with me through all my shows. He's a seven-pound chihuahua cross, and he has great patience sitting through these shows. He's usually pretty quiet, but he was very happy when I came home with Carbona Pet and Stain Odor Remover, which is an oxy-powered formula with active foam technology, and it's engineered to permanently remove pet stains and odor. Carbona is a household brand that has turned their decades of cleaning expertise into products that get the job done fully, quickly, and easily. Although he tries his best, Oliver does sometimes have accidents. Yesterday, in such a situation, I pulled out Carbona Pet Cleaner, and voila, we were stain-free and clean. It was easy to use, pet-safe, and hassle-free. The built-in two-in-one brush top tackles stains on the surface, and it was a deep clean into my carpet fibers. It is now my other best friend, and Oliver isn't jealous. He's pretty happy with the results. Use code FTTC at Carbona.com to save 20%. Happy cleaning. So, Lisa, um, your book is called The, the Fifth Vital Sign. And um, what, what does that mean? What, what are you you're talking about with that? Um, well, that's a great question. Um, a vital sign basically is a bodily measure that you can monitor to see how your body functioning. And the vital signs that we're most used to and 
most familiar with include our heart rate, our body temperature, our respiratory rate, so how many breaths we take each minute, and blood pressure. And so, I mean, anyone can can think of either any of those signs and recognize that if you go to your doctor's office, uh, your doctor has a particular measure. So your doctor would know that there's a, a certain range that would indicate optimal health. And also, if there's something off. So, for example, if you measured your blood pressure and it was too high or too low, it would indicate that something's potentially wrong. But beyond just that general, like, oh, there could be something wrong, the vital sign, if it's off, gives the doctor a specific roadmap of what it could be. So if if the blood pressure is too high, for example, the doctor would know of specific conditions to watch for that could be related to that. And so with the menstrual cycle, what's really interesting is that it works in much the same way, even though many of us are not um, familiar with that or are not used to that concept. And when I say menstrual cycle, often women think period, uh, because the period is really what gets a lot of focus, and, and typically that's kind of the main, you know, part of this. But when I refer to the menstrual cycle, I'm referring to the whole thing. So the period, uh, you know, day one of your cycle is day one of your period. Uh, and then as you approach ovulation, you would expect to have cervical mucus for several days. Ovulation is essential and key for a healthy cycle. And then we talked about earlier that, you know, the second half of the cycle should be at least 12 to 14 days. Um, so basically, when you think of the cycle as uh, the whole thing, <laughs> so um, from the first day of your period until the last day before your next one, and you understand that there's different phases of the cycle and different things are supposed to happen at different times and there's certain ranges that we would expect. So, for example, with your period, a healthy period lasts anywhere from three to seven days. And, uh, you know, the, the volume of bleeding in a normal uh, period would be anywhere from 25 milliliters to 80 milliliters. And uh, pain, although very common, as you mentioned earlier, is not normal. It's an indication of a problem. Um, one of my, I, I have this conversation often with my clients, and um, one of the things that I often say to them, especially if it's kind of like, oh, you know, my pain isn't that bad. I know a friend of mine has it way worse than mine. And I'll often say something like, well, um, imagine for a minute that your partner experienced that same level of pain in his penis for a couple of days every month. You know, how would he feel about that? Do you think, <laughs> do you think it was a problem? <laughs> and so sometimes we have to be reminded <laughs> that pain is actually a problem. And outside of menstruation, pain is considered to be a problem. It's almost as though menstruation is the only time when all of us seem to think that it's okay to be in pain. Um, so I think that's just, you know, back to the menstrual cycle and the concept of a vital sign. The first thing is to recognize that there are normal parameters. And as women, we often don't know what those are, but that's the first step, understanding that there are normal parameters of what the menstrual cycle is supposed to look like. And it's not just as simple as you're supposed to have a 20-day cycle because there is a range of what's considered to be normal. Um, And then the second part is understanding that if your cycle is consistently and regularly falling outside of that normal, because as women, we're not robots, I often say, and so... um, if your cycle falls outside of the normal range, like once or kind of randomly, that could just be a, a result of an event or something like that that's happening. If we're seeing a consistent pattern of, you know, menstrual cycle irregularities that continue cycle after cycle, then it is, uh, an, for many women, a first indication of a potential deeper issue. And I think a lot of women find it to just be really surprising and fascinating how so many different health issues can actually show up in the cycle in a number of different ways. 
so at, at, you know, I think this is important to to understand. There's a lot of um, you know we we spoke before about how a lot of things are covered up with the birth control pill, but also a lot of things are considered normal when they're not. And 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 I think that that's important for women to understand that that you know we. We are told, you know, just like you said about pain, a lot of women tell me, well, my pain is normal. And I say, well, what's normal? Because you shouldn't actually have any. And and they're usually taken aback by that because they, they've had pain their, their entire life with their period. And um, no one's ever told them that that isn't something that they're supposed to experience. So so we're, we're not educated enough, to, um, you know, about what's happening, which I think is why it's really important to, to have these discussions. Well, we could go into pain a little bit further just to give an example of why pain with menstruation could potentially be an indication of a deeper issue. Um, For me, one of the areas that I researched into is what exactly is a period? So what is happening when you menstruate? And uh, so when you look into menstruation, it's a normal inflammatory process. And so as women, there are a few different processes in the body that, you know, involve inflammation, such as ovulation and also labor and birth, um, as well as menstruation. And so what happens is, you know, when you're in order, well, let me put it this way. When you think of bleeding outside of the concept of menstruation, it usually indicates inflammation and tissue damage, right? Like that's usually (laughs) when bleeding is involved. And so it turns out that when you look at the mechanism of, uh, menstrual menstruation, menstruation the mechanism of you know what determines and um, the process of, of how we release our menstrual blood it also involves uh, inflammation um, tissue degeneration and bleeding and so it's a normal inflammatory process though that involves prostaglandins uh, which are associated with inflammation and tissue damage so just in the general sense, in a normal period, we have inflammation and prostaglandins are what trigger the muscle contractions that help us to actually remove our menstrual blood when we bleed. And so if you think about it that way, if you can understand and appreciate that it's a normal process that involves inflammation and it involves these, um, these fats that, you know, stimulate muscle contractions, then it would make perfect sense that if we were over-inflamed, if we had too much inflammation in the body, that that process could go out of whack. And so when you look at the research, it shows that women who experience, you know, significant moderate to severe pain during their period tend to have upwards of four times the level of prostaglandins that you would find in a woman who doesn't have severe pain. Um, so just that can help us to understand that when there's pain, it means that there's too much of something. It means that there's too much inflammation. And, you know, furthermore, women who experience, like, really, really bad pain, as women, it seems like we've got an insane pain tolerance. Often I have to get my clients to dial down specifically how much pain they're experiencing. Otherwise, they may just gloss over it because maybe they've had pain, you know, for so long that they just think it's normal. Um, but women who have a, a great deal of pain with menstruation are more likely to have a condition like endometriosis, which is associated with infertility, and it can be an extremely detrimental and debilitating condition. Um, and again, when you look at the research, um, it, on average, a woman in the United States, it takes about 12 years for endometriosis to be diagnosed, and in the UK, it was about eight years. So just imagine that, a woman having to suffer from such severe pain for 10 years before the doctor even, you know, could it be endometriosis? So I think it's really important, just as a, a really clear example of how the menstrual cycle can be vital fine, 
we got to start understanding that there is such thing as normal. And when things are outside of the normal, that we have to look into that further. Well, so one one thing I find, though, is that when things are outside the normal, is that doctors aren't willing to look into it more. Um, endometriosis is is underdiagnosed, I think, because it's so hard to diagnose. Um, but so are a lot of conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome. And a lot of women have, have these conditions. And the only time that they're diagnosed is when they have fertility issues. And up until that point, things are, are covered up, which I think is pretty sad. I think we have a right to know what's going on in our body and um and, and there's something missing in our healthcare system if we think that there we you know it's just not important to to figure these things out well i mean what you've touched on is a really important issue and it makes it really challenging as women for us to get the care that we need i think the first thing to recognize is the different modalities different types of health care and so with traditional Western medicine, ultimately, the doctors, the, the way the modality works, it's often illness, you know, equals drugs. When it comes to menstrual cycle, so I'm a very curious person, and um, I've had the opportunity to interview a number of doctors, so MDs who've gone through medical school, and of course, every time I get my hands on a doctor, <laughs> I'm asking, okay, what are the, you know, what did you learn in medical school? Can you shed some light as to why so many women struggle with all of these different period issues and are all just put on the pill? And what I glean from my interviews and, you know, all the years I've been connecting with medical professionals to try to get some insight into why uh, why there's this huge gap in medical treatment is that in medical school, doctors are trained to, to look at, for the root cause. And when it comes to menstrual cycle issues, the training basically says, like, anything wrong with the cycle, you know, the pill is the solution. And that is very clearly reflected in many women's experiences, where if you have irregular cycles, if you're only having a period, you know, four or five times a year, if you've got heavy painful periods, really and truly the training, you know, in medical school is to put a woman on the pill. And so for women who really want to get to the bottom of what's happening and to gain some insight into, uh, you know, the root cause, what is, what is happening, and actually address it in a natural way, uh, because it is possible in many cases for women to um, correct whatever the underlying factor is and support their body and their menstrual cycle to normalize. Uh, but you often have to look to different modalities. So it's kind of like step one, you have to learn for yourself. You have to kind of empower yourself with knowledge about menstrual cycle, understanding how it works, and understanding that when you're seeing issues with your cycle that it's related to an underlying health issue, knowing that the pill doesn't cure, correct, or solve anything, and it just uh, simply delays it. You can think of the pill as deferring the problem to later, basically. Um, because if you have, especially for women who want to conceive, if you have cycles that are really irregular and ovulation is very sporadic, and so you're only having a period, you know, like I said, four to five, six times a year, then by taking the pill and getting a bleed every month, everyone feels better about it because you got this bleed every 28 days. But when it comes time for you to um, you know, start try to start your family, come off the pill, it's very likely that when you come off the pill, you're just going to continue where you were before where with these sporadic cycles. Um, so, you know, then step two would be to really seek a practitioner that is working from a different level of understanding or a different modality. So as women, it's really tough, but we often need a team of healthcare providers. We all need doctors. But when it comes to menstrual cycle issues, we also need to seek the support of a, you know, functional healthcare practitioner 
who is trained to look at the root cause, who understands hormones, who understands menstrual cycle issues, and who understands that the pill doesn't solve any problems. Um, and also, I'll just note that what you mentioned is very true. Until a woman's trying to get pregnant, no one seems to care about her cycles oftentimes. Um, but we have to start to recognize that the menstrual cycle is important regardless of whether you want to have children or not. Um, because healthy ovulation, that's how we produce our hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And those hormones play a role in our breast health, our heart health, our bone health. We have receptors for these hormones in all different parts of our body. So regardless of whether you are wanting to have children, it's really important as a reproductive aged, you know, biological woman to have healthy menstrual cycles. Well, it, you know, your story is an example because when you started charting your cycle, um, you know, the, um, the the teacher guiding you looked at it and said you need to get your thyroid checked, which had been ignored by your doctor. They put you on the pill. And, you know, having a, your thyroid, uh, like underactive thyroid is a pretty significant issue in life where, you know, you're going to progress and be more tired and have a lot of, of health issues with that. So it, it wasn't important for you to to figure out what was going on so that you could have you know overall better health in general not just you know regulating your cycles mm-hmm. well I mean thank you for bringing that up I mean for the listeners who may not know um, when I first started charting I was super enthusiastic and I remember going through it was like my post high school feminist phase and so I remember my, my cycles were really like they were not falling into the normal parameters that we just talked about, uh, they would often be over 40 days long, like 45 days. Um, I had, I think, at least one or two cycles that were 50 days long. Um, And as I mentioned, my periods were always really heavy. Uh, So in my case, the heavy periods were related to fibroids, which I basically made my, like, when I was in my very early 20s, I demanded slash requested an ultrasound because I had a family history my mom had suffered with fibroids, as did a number of my aunties and cousins. Um, and, you know, my mom, my auntie, and I'm sure several of my cousins in, ended up having hysterectomies to get those, uh, just to handle it because the periods got so heavy, they were unmanageable for them. And at that time, that was basically how they dealt with it. Um, so in my case, the, the heavy periods were an indication of something more. And I had this, in, in, you know, because I had the family experience of, of it, the family history, I knew to ask my doctor to look at that. And then also, um, I was diagnosed with an underactive thyroid very early on in my charting, and it was at a subclinical level, meaning that I wasn't, like, you know, overweight and depressed. It hadn't gotten to that point. Um, It really was that my temperatures were too long, the chart and my cycles were too long, and my charting instructor looked at that, knew that the menstrual cycle was a vital sign, because, of course, uh, these are my mentors who I learned from, you know, all those years ago. Um, And so this, that was my introduction basically into how the menstrual cycle is a vital sign. Because up until that point, I just thought, this is super cool. Like, look at how I can use this for birth control and I can avoid all of these hormones. Like, I just thought it was birth control. I just thought it was really cool. But very early on in my own journey, I discovered, like, wait a minute. Nope, it's, it's way more than that. Because if someone can look at my chart and potentially see that I have a thyroid issue, there's a lot more going on here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Um, we'll, we're talking today with Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, and her book is called The Fifth Vital Sign, and we'll be back shortly.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. How much health and wellness information have you been exposed to today? Listen to Prescription for Success with Dr. Emil Haldi. Healing and empowerment start from within, but it also takes the best knowledge and advice. That's what you'll find here. Dr. Haldi and his guests will help you make the right life-enhancing decisions for well-being success. Tune in live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Prescription for Success. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, and we're discussing her book, The Fifth Vital Sign. So, Lisa, one of the main uh, components of your book is talking about the fertility awareness method. And, um, you know, this is different than the rhythm method that was quite popular many years ago. Uh, Can you just explain to us what what exactly it is? Um, Yes, absolutely. I mean, the fertility awareness method essentially involves understanding your fertile signs. So in my case, I am an instructor of, you know, the symptothermal method, a version of the symptothermal method, um, which essentially means paying attention to changes in your cervical mucus patterns, your basal body temperature, and then also your cervical position changes. And uh, what's interesting uh, about the menstrual cycle in order to learn fertility awareness, again, you have to bust the myths about the menstrual cycle. Uh, so it's important to note that ovulation only happens once per cycle. And uh, a woman is only fertile from a scientific standpoint uh, for six days of the cycle. And the reason for that is because you're only fertile in the cycle as you approach ovulation when you produce cervical mucus. And, uh, you're, you know, we care so much about cervical mucus because uh, your cervical mucus is what keeps sperm alive for up to five days. So I think a lot of women have heard, okay, you know, your body can keep sperm alive for up to five days, but that's not any day of the month. It's actually only when you have your mucus present. Uh, Because outside of that small window of fertility, as, as grown women, our vaginas are actually quite acidic. And so that acidity protects us from, you know, yeast overgrowth, bacterial stuff, uh, and so it makes a lot of sense that we would have these natural defenses. <laughs> um, and it's only during the small fertile window as we produce cervical mucus, as we approach ovulation, that we're actually, um, our, the, the nature of our vagina changes from acidic to alkaline. Uh, and if you, it's, it's really interesting as well because if you measure the pH of our cervical fluid, it actually matches the pH of a man's seminal fluid. Uh, so, you know, first things first, uh, as, and especially for if, you know, for any woman who's listening to this show and she's actually charted her cycles, you can see it for yourself. So it's one of those things where it's all well and good to talk about the theory, but once you start charting and you start monitoring your, you know, cervical fluid, and just for anyone who's not really familiar with cervical fluid, it looks either like creamy white hand lotion or it can look like raw egg whites, like clear raw egg whites as if you could stretch it between your fingers and then kind of have a thread there. Many women have noticed their cervical fluid but maybe didn't know what it was. So one example is if you've ever felt like some wetness and you thought, oh my goodness, my period is coming, and then you went to the bathroom and there was no period. Um, Another situation for a lot of women, because we're not taught about mucus, um, you might think that you have an infection that's recurring every, every month. And so a lot of women have found themselves in their doctor's office because they think they have an infection, but then the infect, like the, uh, you know, the tests come back clear. Uh, and then for others, women may just notice that you're going to the bathroom and there's a certain time of the month where it actually feels really slippery. So you're wiping and it's either like your hand is going to hit the back of the toilet or you got to wipe a couple of times because it just feels like there's a lot there or maybe you just feel kind of wet. Uh, but once you start charting your cycles, you see it because it's, a bio- it's just how our bodies operate. Um, as we approach ovulation, we um, produce estrogen. Our ovaries make estrogen as our eggs develop. And that is what triggers this, you know, cervical fluid production. And once the estrogen reaches a certain peak, that triggers ovulation. So 
Um, it basically sends a message back to your to your pituitary, and then your pituitary releases luteinizing hormone, and then you ovulate. Um, so with the fertility awareness method, you're learning how to identify that short window of fertility in your cycle by paying attention to your cervical fluid and your cervical position changes. And then as far as the basal body temperature goes, once you ovulate, your ovaries start to produce a significant amount of progesterone. And progesterone has a different effect. It shuts down your cervical mucus production. It changes the position of your cervix. And you can actually feel this if you're brave enough to insert your finger into your vagina and try to find your cervix and feel it throughout your cycle. You'll feel that it actually changes position. It feels quite different during your fertile window versus afterwards. And so, in addition, progesterone raises your body temperature. So if you take your temperature every, every morning before you get out of bed and you plot it in your favorite app or on a, a, a chart or something like that, then you'll see, you know, again, with your own eyes, that after ovulation, your temperature rises and stays high. And so I think for a lot of women, this is really shocking information because of how basic it is. <laughs> it's not mm-hmm. like rocket science. I mean, if you want to use it as a method, it's a, it's a really good idea to find an instructor who teaches a specific method, who's been certified, so that you can get all the rules and understand all the different um, uh, just implications of it so that you're using the method correctly. I mean, like anything else, it's good to make sure that you're learning it correctly before you're using it, especially if you want to get the effectiveness, which has been shown to be up to 99.4%. So it's really important to mention that effectiveness because 99.4%, that puts it up there with condoms and um, hormonal birth control. And, and as women, especially, there's a lot of women who don't react well to hormones or have a negative experience in birth control or just eventually get to the point that they don't want to put hormones in their body anymore. So it's helpful to know that there's a, a serious contender. There's a legitimate option that really does work, provided that you learn how to use it correctly. Um, so essentially, what it, the way that the fertility awareness method is different to the rhythm method is that the rhythm method was based on mathematical calculations. So you would basically chart enough cycles, maybe chart six cycles or something like that, and get an average. You start to understand, okay, I usually ovulate on this day. And then you're basing your decision on, um, like, a calendar interpretation. Um, You know, as an instructor, I've been in this field for almost 20 years. Every woman is going to have cycle fluctuations, and you can't predict ovulation ahead of time. Ovulation is not always on the same day. It doesn't always happen on day 14. And it it, it does fluctuate. Uh, The first half of the cycle is the most variable. So with fertility awareness, you're actually looking, you're checking your signs every day to determine if it's a fertile day based on whether or not you see your cervical mucus, and then you're confirming ovulation with these three signs so that you can really define that fertile window, avoid unprotected sex during that time. Some women will, you know, avoid sex altogether. Some women will have, you know, other options, non-penetrative sex, so they'll do other things. Some women will use condoms or... Um, you know, withdrawal or a combination of condoms and diaphragm or cervical cap. Uh, so it, it really depends on how, what your, you know, what your comfort level is for how you're going to manage your fertile window. Uh, but there are, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of women around the world who use this method as their primary method of birth control successfully to prevent pregnancy when they don't want to get pregnant and then to help them to conceive when they want to have babies because, this method also allows you to pinpoint the exact best days to, you know, when you're trying to have a baby. 
Well, you know, I, I found it very um, informative, as I mentioned earlier, um, to, to do all of this. I, you know, when I went off the pill um, and I was in a, a long-term relationship, we decided this was a better choice. I'd had a lot of side effects and, um, um, you know, it, it was eye-opening. And I find that for a lot of women as well. Um, we don't, as, as you said, we don't understand what the cervical mucus is. No one's told us in school. So I've even had as I get women healthier and their hormones more regulated, they get more cervical mucus and then they're really shocked and they don't understand what it is. Um, because, you know, we're, it, when we're not educated, we don't understand how our bodies work, which I think is a failing on, on the part of society. I think it's really important. So even charting just to understand and, and get that, that basics of this is what's happening in my body and to know what's going on and then using it either as the, the birth control or to, to, you know, get pregnant. Either one works just fine, but um, it, it's, it's amazing when you start to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I often say, just because it, I, I know that fertility awareness isn't necessarily going to be the right method of birth control for every single woman. Um, that's why we have so many different options. And mm-hmm. also, although it might be it might be appropriate for a woman, it may not be the her choice, her first choice of birth control for every uh, phase of her life, for example. And so, um, for me, what it really comes down to is empowerment. And so um, the word body literacy is really helpful in that sense. You don't have to use the method as birth control to gain information from it. For a lot of women, just paying attention to their cycles, marking down when they get their periods, making note if they see cervical fluid. Uh, and then as you do that over time, you start to see, as you mentioned, you know, oh, you do some things to improve your health and whatever, and all of a sudden you see a change in your cervical mucus, like a positive change. And so this is how women, this is an opportunity for us, I should say, to, to develop body literacy because it's very empowering, especially in a world where we're often told there's nothing we can do, all your periods are irregular, there's nothing you can do, you can just go on the pill. It's, it's very empowering as women to discover that you do have a lot more power over your health and your cycles because just by making some positive changes to your routine and things that you're doing, you can really see a positive uh, change in your menstrual cycles. Um, And just another note about, you know, the pill. We talked a little bit about the pill and the effect that it can have on fertility and the fact that it doesn't, you know, change or cure or fix any menstrual cycle problems that you're having. Um, I can come across as a very anti-pill because I have all the research of all the different, um, (laughs) not all the research, but I, 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 I put a significant amount of research in the book about the the side effects. Because I think for a lot of women, it's a surprise that there are so many side effects, but also that there's so much science behind it. Um, but with that said, again, the message that I want to share isn't like no woman should ever use the pill. I think that what's most important is for us to have that informed consent and understanding of it. Because I believe that if all women knew everything that we talked about in the conversation, we would fall into, you know, one of three categories. Some women would be like, okay, that's too much hormones for me. I'm not comfortable with this pill thing, so I'm just not going to use it. Um, another group of women would say, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad I know about these side effects. Now, you know, I'm going to use the pill, but I'll be aware so if I do experience some side effects or if I do have some concerns, I won't stay on it as long. Or maybe now that I know that it could affect my fertility, maybe I won't stay on it as long. So some women would modify how they use it. And then the third category, some women would use it just as long in the same way that they would have. 
But as women, we need to have that choice. We need to know um, that these choices are available to us. We need to know how our menstrual cycles work, even if we don't want to use fertility awareness as a method, so that we can just really be more informed and be more empowered to take care of ourselves. I I love that you've said it that way. I definitely agree. I think that, you know, when we're not informed on our choices and and what those choices are, how they're going to affect us, um, we're not going to make the right choice. And, you know, in my younger years, I I wouldn't take back the fact that I was on the pill because I didn't want to have an unplanned pregnancy when I was that young. And I I was pretty afraid of that. But, but, you know, as I got older and and things were, were different in my life and I knew that I was having side effects, I was able to make that choice for me, knowing that I had a choice, that there was other options for me that would that would work in my my lifestyle and what I what I wanted to do. And and that's, you know, just reiterating what you just said is having the choice and being informed in it so that that um, it's it's a, you know, a choice with information, obviously. Mm hmm. So um, now, is there, um, if people have more questions, is there any way that they can get a hold of you or your book? And I know you have a podcast as well. Um, yeah, I mean, thank you for that. Uh, I The book is available on Amazon. It's in three different formats. Uh, so it's in paperback, ebook, and I just finished the audiobook. As a podcaster, I significantly underestimated how challenging it, it would be to make an audiobook. I was like, that's going to be easy. Um, but, so I was really excited to, to get that done. Um, so it's available in most places. And then I do have the Fertility Friday podcast. So wherever you like listening to podcasts, if you type in Fertility Friday, um, mine is the first to come up. I've been at it for this whole, I'm in the fifth year. So at the end of this year, it'll be five years. And so there's over 250 episodes about the menstrual cycle and fertility awareness. Uh, lots of great info over there. Well, that's great. Um, This was a great show. I enjoyed our conversation, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, So we were talking today with Lisa Hendrickson-Jack, and her book was called The Fifth Vital Sign. If you want more information on my story and what I went through in my journey back to health, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and um, I appreciate any questions and comments about the show. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.